Welcome to the Transformation Podcast. My name is Chris Sanchez, and I'm joined with Darren Davis, pastor and senior leader here at the Harvard Church. Darren, we're recording on Zoom, but you know what? We are so excited to be here because today we're talking about your son-in-law, Juan Alban. He is just a joy to be around. His story is light. He's funny. He's an open son, not only to his earthly dad, and you hear a little bit of his story there, but with his heavenly father as well. So, Darren, what were some of your thoughts about what he shared? Yeah, first of all, good to be with you again, Chris, and excited about these stories of lives being changed, right, by the power of God. And I, I, I literally am so thankful for this podcast because it hits close to home with Juan being my son-in-law. I remember when we transitioned and moved to the South Florida region, and our one and only daughter was little at the time. And we've always had those prayers, Wendy and I, for her to find one day that husband that was going to love her, that was going to walk with her through life, that they would be joined in their journey in God. And, and little did we know that God had that perfect young man in mind in, in Juan Pablo Alban. And so here he is, a, a third culture kid, you know, that had relocated with his family. His father moved to the United States to work in the corporate world from Colombia, from Bogota. And man, I, I, I so enjoyed this podcast because I was able to get more of the backstory of his life, his family, of the life and, and culture of Colombians as it relates to even spirituality and the beauties and yet the complexities with all of that. And I think so many of our listeners and, and people that we're ministering to here in South Florida is, are going to resonate with this story and, and, and be encouraged. And so this is a special one and we want you to just sit back and enjoy yet another story here of a life transformed. <laughs> Juan, yep, dude, I'm so happy you're here, dude. I'm glad to be here. Like when I first heard about this, I like I I don't know. I talked to you so many times about like, bro, let me in the door. <laughs> I'll invite myself, bro. Like I'll definitely go there. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. You are. I didn't really know you for very long. I mean, I right. think I've known you for a couple months already. But yeah. I just was like, man, we I gotta sit down with Juan yeah. and just talk because you have such a lightness with you. There's just yeah. such a joy when you speak, man, that translates. So I was, I'm super excited oh, that you're man. here. Super glad to be here. Thank you so much. We were talking right before we started. You're not from, you weren't born in this country. No, dude. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about where, where you came from and totally. how you got here? I'll give a little context clues. My full name, if you know me, is Juan Pablo Alban, right? A little bit of flair. Give it a little it. kick. I was born in Bogota, the capital of Colombia. Okay. I moved to North Miami when I was about like three, three and a half years old. But man, I was raised in a really Colombian home still. So yeah. Are your parents still there? Are your parents still in North Everybody Miami? Everybody but my parents and brother are still in Bogota. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you go back to visit at all? You or know, you? man, it's been such a long time that I've visited. Mm -hmm. The main reason is because most of the family over there, well, they want to come visit us, right? They want to come to the States. They want to go. My parents now live in Orlando and they have been for a little bit. So cool. they'll go up to Orlando too. 
were you involved with the church at a young age? I mean, because I know, I don't think I ever shared this. My grandma's brother, right? So my great uncle, yeah. I guess. He was the head leader of a Catholic church in Hialeah, okay. right? So my, my family on my dad's side was very Catholic. So I, I went to church at a young age, yeah. always involved around it. Where is that the same way? Because Hispanic families and, yeah. and, and church are Yeah, very yeah, tied. yeah. Man, let's go straight there. Let, let's talk about the spiritual atmosphere of my family. Thankfully, I was always raised in a home that believed in the Father, mm-hmm. right? Believed in the Holy Spirit, Jesus. They, they were believing Catholics. Now, what I do want to say is, is for the most part when I was growing up, obviously for, for the listeners that know, culturally, Catholicism is very cultural, Huge. right? It's something that's part of your culture. It's not necessarily like it's more nominal than anything, and that definitely is no way mean to be disrespectful for everybody. Everybody, but it is it is a cultural thing. So yeah. culturally, I was brought up Catholic, really until about let's say the second grade or so. So we're in the states, you know, we've been here for a little bit, and something happens in two thousand one, right? And I'm talking about nine eleven. Now the reason I bring that up is because believe it or not, nine eleven changed the course for my entire family. Really? You want to go there real quick? So both of my parents love the Lord. Both of my parents are still together, thank God. And they love each other, amazing parents. There was a little bit of a moment of tension between my mom and my dad. And the biggest tension was Christianity versus Catholicism. So 9-11 happens, what does my mom do? She picks up a book from like a Lifeway store, right? Because she said the world is ending. She had never seen anything like 9-11 before. So she said, man, th- this world is coming to an end. I, I need to read more about, she just looked, She was looking for something like a Christian book. So what does she do, man? She picks up a book. It's a commentary on the book of Revelations, wow. dude. Right I'm there. not making this up, bro. <laughs> yeah. like, for real, I'm, I'm shooting you totally straight. And she will literally say it in her own words, she was scared into the faith. She was scared from Catholicism oh, into Christianity. Now, you know, I say that, you know, it's like joking around. Obviously, the Holy Spirit encountered her by reading this crazy book on the book of Revelations. Well, here's the other part of culturally being Spanish is that there's a lot of manchismo, right? And for those of you that don't know, like what I mean by that is like the man is the head of the household. And, you know, and final word, final, final word, yeah. dude, like yeah. sign, seal, deliver what dad said. And there was a little bit of a tension between my parents because my mom would bring that up to my dad. But get this, bro. Like, like this is where things started to shift for my family, and it was all behind the scenes. Like, nothing in the flesh happened. This is totally God working. Uh, and what I love the most is that he worked through all the women in the family, and I love it. So what happens? My mom gets a little, a little like, timid, doesn't necessarily share with my dad right away that she's having this experience with Holy Spirit. And she'd even say, I'm having an experience with the Holy Spirit. What does she do? She has five siblings, four of them are sisters. So she reached out to two of her sisters. I am not making this up, bro. Her sisters had a very similar encounter and did not want to share with their husbands. They all picked up the same book? No. Oh, dude, I wish. <laughs> that would be insane, right? No, no, not 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 that, not quite that same experience. But, but they had an encounter with right. the Holy Spirit, right. dude, like all on their own on different continents. They're having experiences wow. with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's going on with them, though, is that they're not necessarily telling their husbands, right? Because as we just talked about, culturally, it can be a little bit of a divide. Now, here's where things get wild. My mom has the courage to tell her mother, my grandmother. That's when her mom, so my grandmother, pulled in together my mom, 
her two siblings, and her. And they all had one discussion about the Holy Spirit. So what do they start doing, man? They start having, like, call it a secret prayer meeting. And these, these, so, so we have these, these four women in my mom's side of the family who are getting wrecked by the Lord, all kind of in secret, and praying for all the men in the family. How wild is that? So one of the things that they're praying for is actually my brother and I, because we started to go from that moment, one of the things that changed in 2002 is we started to go to a Christian school. It wasn't until about fifth or fourth grade, somewhere in there, that I started to notice, hey, there's some differences between what I'm learning in school and then at the time we were going to Mass. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to realize, like, man, there's some differences here, and I started to really think for myself. Later on, let's just bring it up to, to high school. You want to kind of jump that far up? So this was the moment where, again, I'd never heard that story of my mom, 9-11, until this moment. So all those years, your mom is secretly having these prayers and having this dialogue with the Lord and praying yep. on to you, and you had no idea. No idea, bro. I didn't find out about this until years, years later in the 10th grade. I have an encounter with the Lord where, where, that's, where, where that's where the Lord dropped the call into ministry. At the time, I was really hungry to go into youth ministry, urban ministries, but let's bring up another topic. And again, I always say this with with the prefix of my father is such a good dad, Mm. so loving, so supportive. But another thing culturally is that, you know, you got to go work and make good money. I come from a line of, of businessmen, lawyers, dentists, doctors. This and that. My dad was a VP at MasterCard for this long. I mean, I'm wow. serious. Like, my brother has like three masters. You know what I mean? It's just all these things. And here I am, like, boop, this little, like, <laughs> this little thing on the tree that says, like, I want to be maybe a teacher and, and, you know, live under a bridge. And I'm totally cool with that. So, one of the things that was tough is for me to bring that up to my dad, right? Just to say, like, Dad, um, okay, yeah, I'm not going to maybe go into business school like we thought. I'm going to actually go to a uh, ministry school and study Bible. Oh, man, that was a tough day. What was that conversation like? That conversation looked like me going to mom first, right? <laughs> I wish, Bro, I wish I could tell you I just suited up, put my hat on, and talked to dad, but it looked like a slight right turn straight to mom. <laughs> so I talked to mom, and I, I actually think that that was God's total plan because that's when my mom dropped that story. And she said, you don't understand the moment. And that's a key word in my life is the moment that you're about to step in. I have been preparing this for you as a mother for 10 years. And that's when she said, me, your grandma, your two aunts, we gathered together. We would pray for you and your brother. We'd pray for the men in the family. Now, the moment that I told my father, and this... this well, b- before yeah. we even go there, what, what did you experience? I mean, your mom tells you this bombshell for years. You didn't know, and it, and it comes out of nowhere, this truth. What, what were you feeling? The very first word that comes to mind is I understood the first picture of sonship. Mm. It was the first time that I acknowledged I truly am stepping into grounds that someone else toiled. I had never experienced that. I had never experienced walking into an environment and being aware of it spiritually that someone else laid the foundation for From that moment, it wasn't even just like a confidence or anything. It was authority. And that was the the very first, let's call it defining real moment in, a, in my young life of just saying, there is authority in what I'm walking into because someone else prayed for me. 
And thank God it was my mother and a group of women who had the courage to gather together to pray for the next generation. Yeah. It marked you. It completely marked me, you know, and it became a, a, it became a really big theme in my life of sonship and authority. And, it, and it's something that, that really is something that it's really something that's, that's been the most important piece of understanding that I have of course dealt with and, and, and battled with. And it looks different the older I get. I don't have children of my own right now. Savannah and I don't have kids, but I know that that's going to even take it to the next level, but there's, there's such a moment of, there was such a moment right there of sonship that marked the rest of my life. So you, you, you have this encounter with your mom, marks you, now you got to go to dad. Now I go to dad, bro. I remember it literally like as if it were a movie, man. Like I walked out, I remember, you know, taking a left down the hallway, opening the door and then there's dad on the front porch. We used to have like this, this really nice bench and you can just sit out there. And I sat down next to him. And this is the craziest part of the story, man. I, I, I get the courage to say, Dad, listen, I don't think I'm going to make a lot of money, dude. <laughs> that, that was literally my first, like obviously in Spanish because my parents I was going to say, in Spanish. is this in Spanish? Totally all in yeah, Spanish, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I go to Dad and I say, like, listen, I don't know if this is going to look like what you wanted it because at the moment I was still experiencing, like, is my dad going to... Am I going to have to feel shame the rest of my life for my father? I had the authority from my mother, right? But now I just had to transition that. It was like the first, my mom like put this in my backpack and now it's like, go use it. Boom, immediately. And I'm going to say this. It It is a, especially with young men in Hispanic families, it is a real pressure yeah. for that relationship between the father and the son. Yeah, It's a very interesting dynamic because yeah. the father like you said is machismo yeah. i'm the final say and there are i guess insecurities about reaching that level of what you think your dad wants you to be yeah yeah absolutely man it, it's very much so like the pride of your father right so so i go and i sit down next to my dad i tell him and he says this and, and what i told him is i want to go into ministry i told i showed him a, even like a picture of moody moody bible institute where i wanted to start to enroll, you know, I was going into junior year and whatnot. And what he said, I'll never, ever forget. He looked at me and said, I can never imagine you doing anything different. It froze me to look at my father after the, after getting the courage and authority, knowing that my mother has been praying for me for decades. I walk into that authority and I'm meted with more sonship. Now, I understand that that moment completely freed me of, of shame and completely freed me of incorrect expectations, and it solidified the call from God on my life to go into ministry and to learn under Him. When I heard my father say, I can never imagine you doing anything different. Done. Did you cry? Oh, I lost it, bro. Listen, you got to know, another thing with Spanish people, we are quick to cry, bro. <laughs> so it's absolutely, man. I remember like looking at him and just, just saying like, you know, I, I feel so free. Like I thought that you would be mad. And, and, and all those, you know, natural human emotions came to mind. I thought you would be mad. I thought you'd be upset. I thought you'd never talk to me. And he said, I just want you to excel in this. Like I want you to treat this with excellence, mm. which which all of that moment, man, like, like solidified you know, doing ministry is not a cop-out from, from going off to, 
whatever, you know, be a doctor, lawyer, dentist. Like there is an excellence to ministry. And he, he just wanted me to, to show him like, hey, go with authority and do it with excellence. Yeah. I mean, you, you're leaving with confirmation and your identity has been yeah. spoken out to you that this is who you are and this is who we believe you to be. Yeah, man. So you take that and then you go right to Moody College. I mean, what happens next? So after that, you know, the next year you're doing the whole college visit situation. And and actually dad came with me to Chicago to tour the campus. We did some classes, you know. So, so a little backstory on my dad is that he starts to get really soft with the Lord. And this is the best part is that throughout that season of of him being able to see my brother and I get involved with youth, do worship. Because your brother also had an experience like this. Did your brother have? Because I know your mom prayed for both you and yeah, your brother. Yeah, man. Crazy with my brother. He he actually had an encounter with the Lord later on during college. You know, he maybe took a little bit more of the crazy college route. And if you're going to listen to this, I love you. I was there. But it was wild, right? <laughs> but but one of the things that he, he had with the Lord was actually an encounter. I'm going to get real. I'm going to mention Please. some stories with him. But but he, and I'm going to honor my brother, I love you, but but he went down also like the college trip, the drug trips, LSD, and all of this. And crazy enough, man, he went through a season where he really denounced the faith. He wasn't about it. He just wanted to do the, you know, the college thing. But crazy story, man. He gets encountered by the Lord in a dream where he sees God the Father and really, literally the devil. And you can, he said that I could see God and the devil fighting for my soul. He said he woke up from that knowing he didn't get, he says, yeah, I can't see. I didn't see it, but I knew when I woke up that God won my soul. And boom, from then on, man, like he, he's got a beautiful family, three kids. His niece was just born not too long ago. Him and his wife and his kids like are all God loving, like all in the church. Like he, he's definitely going the business route, but still carrying like God with him. We always talk. So yeah, man, we both, like I said, like walked in a place of of foundation that was laid by my, our mother. Man. Well, well, let, let's talk about that yeah. because now you're looking back, right? Yeah. And, and and the fruits of what her prayer and her groaning for you in the spirit was, have you talked to her about this? Have you reflected at all during this? Because, I mean, it's powerful. That's yeah. powerful. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's, we talk all the time. Like another Spanish thing is your mom will call you daily. Okay. Which, yeah. which, I mean, I'll answer most days, but, but yes, man, some of the, some of the things that we talk about is just, we go back to the moments of, of like, God, look how much God has kept his promises. We're all healthy. We're all still here. We're all still following the Lord. There's dedication to the Lord. Right. And one of the things that we'll talk about is just like, mom, thank you. That's it. Just going back and saying thank you for laying a foundation that I literally had no idea that you were doing. It's great to have that support system around you, but you still have to say yes. You still have to live it out. Yeah. What is your personal relationship at this time with the Lord and, and going into this new adventure of, of going into ministry? Yeah, it was big. It was it was a big moment of ownership, right? There's authority there's there's you know foundation that's laid but now you got to walk on it and you got to take authority and ownership so a lot of it man to be honest with you like there are things that i didn't learn about ownership you know it's funny like talking this through i would say that early life pretty much until middle of college it was really about authority and sonship but since then up until now i would say that this season from going to Moody onward until today has been that season of ownership, of understanding this is what was paid for you. 
this is the authority and the foundation that I've given you. Now you got to own it and steward it. So, so I would say from the time that I went to Moody, you know, understanding more about myself, obviously being really young, I was part of an improv group in Chicago. Like we were, it was a fun time, man. Like I, I got married to Savannah senior year. It was great. After that, we moved to, to Nashville and it was the season in Nashville, the last five years from about 2016 until like early 2016 until late 2019 was, was in Nashville. And that's when truly the next real phase of ownership started in my life. But before we get there and before, because I want to talk about Savannah. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah, of course. You were in a improv group? Oh, yeah. That is, <laughs> that's so funny. That's the that's the thing you heard. Yeah, man. I was in an improv group, bro. If, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but improv has been one of my favorite things I've ever done. I started in high school. I was on a team in Chicago for four years. I actually taught improv in Nashville for, for two years while we were there. And, dude, I'm serious. If you ever, ever want, I will l- – anybody listening. Literally, I'm hungry to do it. Yeah, man, I was on an improv group for a while. I didn't expect us to go here. Let's talk about what was your journey like? I mean, improv, it, was it a Christian improv group? Was it like a secular one like they have? I mean, Chicago's known for it. Chicago is right? definitely known for it. I mean, thankfully, it was it was a group of friends from Moody. It was oh, cool. definitely, you know, a clean group. I know that improv can get a little raunchy here and there. But but no, man, it was, it was a group from college. We would go off campus. Um, we definitely were a part of that scene that was a little more on the secular, but thankfully never like overtaken by it or, or whatever. I've had this discussion before with, with different people. What's the role, I guess, because there might be such a starchiness with church, you know, for people who aren't really alive in the faith and they just have a very religious mindset. And a lot of people might have that aspect and there's no joking in the church. There's no, yeah. there's no joking in the <laughs> yeah. body, right? Yeah. And here you are in an improv group. Talk about what the role is. There a role in humor? Like, like where where's the Lord in this? Oh my gosh, I love this question because one of the things that we had to do was was stand behind that exact thing. And you know, if if anybody knows what Moody Bible Institute is like, it's a non denominational, but it's very Presbyterian technically, pretty dry, pretty old school. So one of the things that we had to do was was break some of those barriers, right? And and what we had to do was kind of take people to a place where they they know they've been, they know they enjoy it and say, "Hey, God's there too, man." And there is a place for humor. There there's a place of I consider it a place of healing and humor, right? When you break down those walls and 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 you go there with people and you allow them to see that, "Hey, you can have a good time here too. You don't have to hide your joy from the Lord." Mm. Is do you think that's a misconception that people might have of the church that there's that there's not that that kind of joy? I think it's a total misconception, and I think that people are afraid to handle this thing called joy, this thing called humor in the church. Yeah. So you have, I mean, I, we can, we, we'll come back to this, right? <laughs> we totally can. So then you guys, you, you graduate, right? Yeah. You, you marry Savannah. Yeah. How did that happen? How did you guys connect? Man, marrying Savannah was literally 10 years in the making, okay? <laughs> if it were up to me, I would have married her when I met her. Believe it or not, I met her when I was in the eighth grade. Oh, really? Yeah. So I would say we're high school sweethearts, but technically I wasn't in high school, but she was. She's, she's three years older than me. Uh, so that's, by the way, way cooler for me to say than her because she was like in 11th grade and I was in 8th grade. But that's usually where I high-five everybody, right? right? But um, she and I were great, great friends from the moment we met. And that friendship really just took us all the way through. We, How does we, an 11th grader hang out with an 8th grader? 
I man, listen, we, I in secret, like literally in secret, like like we were we were a part of high school drama together. Man, we would okay. do shows, and that's kind of how like there was a connection. And then ridiculous suave, you know. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> but um, but yeah, man, that literally took. Let's see, we were good friends. She moved out to Reading to go to Bethel when I was a junior, and then from there until the moment we were engaged, we did long distance. So it was, let's see, about three years of, of friendship long distance. We then dated for another two and a half years long distance. We got engaged, and half of our engagement was, was long distance. And believe it or not, we didn't live in the same time zone after high school until we were engaged, bro. Wow. Yeah, which that was that was a trippy moment, too, because we're like, we've technically never been in the same state for more than now, three months when it's summer or We've only known each other vacation mode. So that was always a fear of ours. But did you know? Did you know in eighth grade or at a young age, like, man? Oh, my gosh. I won't even lie to you, dude. I'm not making this up, but it was like signed, sealed, delivered. And she know, I literally will tell anybody all day long. She's the only girlfriend I've ever had. I, I saw her, and I would literally tell her right there. I think I lit, like, literally in the first month of knowing her, I said, hey, I'm going to marry you, like, you, for real. Can you imagine an eighth grader going up to oh my gosh. junior high school? I'm going to be like, listen, you. you're going to marry me, and I know. But then I found out her father was six foot three, Pentecostal, Pentecostal pastor from Butte, Montana. <laughs> that took a weird turn. Right. Yeah. But no, I mean that. I mean, I remember meeting Darren and Wendy at a concert. Funny story. I met Darren and Wendy uh, at a concert. They were giving me a ride back to their house with Savannah. I had gotten my eyes dilated that day. Right. So I, I could not tell you on the first day I met Darren and Wendy what they look like. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so yeah, man, it, it it was a total like decade in the making for us to get married. So then you guys get married, Chicago. Moved to Nashville? Nashville, yeah. After about six months, it was it was my last semester on campus. We moved to Nashville so I can do a internship. I st- so I finished Moody with a secondary education in Bible degree and a Bible degree, right? Cool. Or a, a Bible minor, right? So we went down to Nashville, Tennessee to do an internship. We were going to be there for six months, and the Lord was like, I need you guys here for until I tell you. And that's that's the moment where we started to see that God's putting us in a place of ownership. And that's really the the place where we felt the Lord say, Hey, I don't necessarily want you guys to move back home because I want you guys to make your own normal. I don't want you to go back to a world that you necessarily know. I want you to live in a world that I know, and I want to bring you there so you can then go back home with a new normal, new things. We felt like it was like a master's course in just life and ministry. And how do you do marriage and ministry and all of those things? And you guys are, I mean, young. You guys got married at, at we what age? got married i was i was like barely 21 she was 24 yeah somewhere in there yeah. yeah i mean so it's it's a lot all at yeah. once new city recently married just graduated yeah so you so you go to nashville and you hear the lord saying you're here till i tell you what is that like what is it like in purpose but also in waiting Oh my gosh, great question, man. That, that I wouldn't have worded it any different. It's exactly that. It was it was a place of tension, really. And the tension was, how do you learn to do something, but you're not quite going to do it because I want you to wait. And here's what I would say. That season started there and is continuing till today, but there's more understanding today because of the things that Holy Spirit has shown us. 
So in that moment, it was really, you know, I'm doing my internship. Savannah's working full time. We're very plugged in with with um, Legacy Church in Nashville. Savannah started working working there part time. We're helping with their youth ministry. We noticed that that God brought us there to learn and to be equipped and to understand how important it is to say, hey, I do not have what it takes to lead right now, but I'm learning. So that's that balance of, okay, you're going to let me get a taste of this, of ministry and of leadership and of this and that, doing what we what we want. You know, there's a difference between dreaming of your dream and then accomplishing your dream. And that's this. That's where it started. The tension of dreaming and then accomplishing your dream. What What's the call? I mean, you 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 said at a very young age you knew ministry. What's the call that you feel? What's the draw? What mm. What What do you feel when you're in ministry and, and and the role that is? I believe the call for Savannah and I. First off, we thankfully, man. I I I don't think this is for everybody, but Savannah and I have a wonderful way of working together. Right, we always want to work together, but but I would say like the call is freedom, man. Like is to is to see freedom hit the areas that the Lord calls you to. So in Nashville, right, like the freedom, what that looked like is is in the worship ministry that we were called to. But I think ultimately more in that is just to see restoration, freedom, transformation, like truly seeing people transformed for the gospel. You know, when when what excites me, what gets me going? When I was a middle school teacher. I learned a lot about myself. You're a middle school teacher? Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I dude. am a middle school teacher. I heard that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. know that like right away, but I heard that later on. But I was a middle school teacher for three years. Cool. And that, to me, was the moment where I realized, like, hey, the call may be, get, be getting solidified with just being consistent with someone and, and, and seeing them get from A to B, right? And what that looks like is restoration, freedom, that same authority, praying for someone like my mother did when I was talking earlier right now is praying into someone's foundation and saying, I don't want you to work too hard. I'm going to work for you, intercede for you, and pray for you. That's the call. I mean, isn't that beautiful how you experienced it with your mom, and now you're in a place while you were teaching to do that same thing to somebody else? Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, man, that that's the transfer. That's that that you're you're explaining the transfer of seasons from, you know, authority, laying down that foundation into ownership. Because the authority is... I can walk here, right? And then ownership is saying, I'm going to actually bring someone with me. And that season when we were teaching and we were moving to Nashville was that transfer of season from from authority into ownership. So you are in that tension, to go back to it, of yeah. purpose, but also in the waiting. What was it like once you finally heard the okay to move back down to South Florida and yeah. get connected down here? You know, it it really looked like obedience. One of the things that... Did you want to come back down here? We wanted to be close to family, and we knew that the Lord was calling us to the harbor. That's like done, said, and we so felt, we had confirmation. We we were um, a part of a conference with our church legacy, and we had like four people just come up to us and say like, hey, I think in the next six months, you're going to be uprooted. Does that like mean, like, like, is that anything? We actually had someone say, you know, I feel like God's uprooting you to be, uh, and I'll never forget his exact words, we're hopping a skip away from the Caribbean. I was like, what? That's like the only possible place for that is is South Florida. So we, we really did have a lot of confirmation to move down to South Florida. Now, Nashville will always be a second home to us. We have we have friends there that are lifers, right? We had we had pastors up there who, who again, we're going to know forever. 
So, so it did take a little bit of obedience, right? And just to say like, Hey guys, okay, what you've learned, you've learned. And now I want you to take that again from authority into ownership. So you moved down here. Yeah. You immediately get plugged in. I mean, your father-in-law is the pastor of a church. Mm -hmm. Was there anything with regards to like expectations, like another, here's another man with a big personality responsibility, like with your dad. And did yeah. you take that relationship from what your dad is with Darren, or how was that like growing Man, up? Man, yeah, it's such a good question, dude. Like, so, so Darren and I have, have obviously I've known Darren forever, right? Like, like I'll catch myself. The older I get, the more I realize that that Darren and I are a lot alike. And I didn't realize like that through osmosis, I've picked up ninety nine percent of my preaching from Darren. So I've I've like mastered the like silent yell, you know, like he does, like the head bob, the the mic on your chin, dude. I've got it right. Yeah, <laughs> come on, somebody. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, the hands. So and Savannah will call me out and be like, dude, you are literally like saying exactly what my father would say. But we also talk weird with our dogs too. I've also picked up some weird things like like we have very high pitched noises with tiny dogs, and it just happens. You gotta hear it sometimes. But no, the the relationship was was amazing, and and I mean, obviously everybody, or I should say, a lot of people listening will know who Darren is. Have been on this podcast before. One of the things that he believes in the most is just sonship. That's one of the things that his life is marked with, is being apostolic and raising up sons and daughters. So so thankfully, you know, I've always had that relationship with him as a father-in-law. But, but this took it to the next level, obviously, with saying, hey, now you have authority and ownership with Deep End, the youth ministry here. You also have authority with Savannah to join the, the youth ministry. And then some, some other things came up, like my favorite thing was the parking team. Shout out to the parking team. <laughs> Not many people are, are uh, passionate about parking, but bring it on. <laughs> so it was a very good relationship, for I sure. I mean, you, you wear a lot of hats in here because you're playing bass. You know, you're involved yeah. in a bunch of other ministries. Did you dive in full steam? give it all to me or is it one of those are you kind of feeling it out because now you're coming back or full steam bro no hesitation no nothing for those of you that are on the enneagram or know anything about it i'm a seven so i'm just like let's do yes yep uh uh-huh let's do it double book triple book me i love it and that was a big learning curve (laughs) you know one of the things that i had to learn is like hey focus Mm. pal (laughs) is that is that savannah Oh my gosh, all day long. Like seriously, <laughs> the Lord gave me the, the greatest wife on earth, the greatest and perfect companion, leveler. She's a dreamer 100%, but she's definitely the one to say like, hey, finish your promise. Go through with what you said. So yeah. absolutely. I can talk to you dude, for another hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. We, we got a couple more things before we get out of here. Yeah. If you can, express... Because, I mean, this is the Transformation Podcast, yeah. right? Can you express in deeper detail on one of the bigger moments that you felt? I know it was sonship, identity, yeah. you know, ownership. Yeah. Can you go deeper into that transformation where it really clicked and you really felt Jesus in on uh, giving that to you? You know, that, that immediately kind of softens my heart because that, I would say, is the season that I'm in right now. You know, what What I would say is the biggest transformation I've ever had is in the last six months. Now, let's bring up the last six months, because I know that we're, we're going to, you know, who knows when, when you, whoever's listening to this is listening to this, but corona has hit. You know, everything that is normal is out the door. 
Deep End isn't meeting in person. Worship isn't meeting in person. Like I'm preaching to a camera, right? Things that I never, ever imagined. And in that moment, I had to battle with the Lord. And I had to say, God, this doesn't look like what you've given me before. All the things that I just talked about, authority. Well, well, well now I, it's, a new, it's a new place. I, don't have, I feel like I don't have authority in this new place. Okay, what about ownership? I don't feel like I own anything in this season. Everything is different. Everything that I try to do get, has been shot down or global pandemic hits. We try to open church and a hurricane hits. Now let's talk about sonship. There is a transformation when, when you realize that sonship is when you invite God into those moments when you don't have anything that you had before. That's the moment of transformation that I would say, believe it or not, like, like even talking about the moment with my father and my mother and the beautiful conversations about the Lord I've had with my brother to restore our relationship and his relationship with the Lord. Getting married to Savannah and, and becoming you know, someone that can be a good husband. All of those things are amazing transformations, but there's absolutely no transformation I've had bigger than this past, I would say even four months of sitting with the Lord and saying, why did you take away my place? The chair I was sitting on before is completely gone. We're not meeting as a church. We're not meeting as a youth group. Everything that I knew I was going to do is completely gone. And that's the moment I realized God said, I want you to have sonship in me, not the church. I want you to have sonship in me, not the church. I want you to be, I want you to love the caller, not just the call. Boom. Sonship, transformation. And I'm telling you to be totally vulnerable. It's a lesson that literally even last night, I'm weeping, weeping, bro, before the Lord and saying, I need you to come into this season so I can know I am your son, even here. Transformation. People are listening to this. I mean, and they're, I'm I'm getting emotional. Like you can tell, it's right now, like live action, yeah. right? Yeah. For someone who might be going through that, and someone who might not even that they don't have words or language to what they're feeling, but this is resonating yeah. with them. What What would you say to them? What would you say on what to do and how to get there? There's three worship songs that come to mind that that are lyrics. The first one is simply the words, "You are welcome here." You're welcome here. You're welcome in this place. We have to know, well, let me actually go into the second worship song that just says, you know, uh, gosh, I forget the exact, I can't believe I'm going to kill this now, but but like light up every shadow, right? There's no, that's what it is. There's no shadow you won't light up. There was a moment, man, in the past six months that I realized that what that means, there's no shadow that you don't want. There's nothing in my life that's too bad, or too far away, too too abandoned, for me to say, God, come into this place. You are welcome here. To those who are who are struggling or those that feel pain in those seasons, I would say the first step, the first step into sonship authority and ownership is invite Holy Spirit into that and say, I want you to light this shadow up. I want you to come into this place because you are welcome. Now, now I do want to share. God is omnipresent. He's always there. But there is a breakthrough moment when you go, that's your authority, right? Your authority is God is always with you, but your ownership is when you say you're welcome here. And that, I promise you, I guarantee, I guarantee will begin the road of transformation, man. 
I am so happy we did this. So uh, glad, man. So good. We're going to do this again. I would sure. love it. Was, Name it and claim it. great. Really happy that you did this one. And, you know, I know people are going to be blessed for awesome, what you said. Awesome, awesome, man. Thank you. You got it. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Transformation Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harvard Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.